And good morning to you, Tucson, and all of Southern Arizona. Welcome live out of the Common Workspace Studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser on AM 1030 KVY, the voice of the in-depth news, conversation, and talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. I'm your host, Zach Yenser, and it is Monday. Welcome in. Hope you all had a good weekend. Thanks for starting your week with us. That's our goal here on Monday is to get things started, to uh, get you kind of sliding into the week a little bit uh, easier after what was hopefully a restful weekend. Uh, it's our Monday morning news hour, so welcome aboard 520-790-2040 is the live line number you can call at any time this hour to join the conversation. It's just you and me, no guests. You're the guest, 520-790-2040. Matt Neely, good morning to you. Always good to be with you. How was your weekend? It was uh, wonderful. It was one of those weekends where everything happens all at once in Tucson, wasn't it? It it was. It was... um, uh, it, 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 March, you know, Matt, is that month, March and October, when everything happens <clears throat> Excuse me, in Tucson. And we were on the cusp of that uh, this weekend. It was a busy one. Absolutely. Made my way over to the Cola uh, uh, Guard uh, Golf Tournament, and uh, it was just a wonderful day for golf up there. And I know uh, there was racing at Rieto, and there was a rodeo, and that was sold out. And just great to see, uh, great to see the place come back to life and people getting out and and uh tourists in town uh, i even heard there was a quidditch tournament in oro valley uh from people with all over, from all over the country so uh, gosh uh just uh good to see tucson doing what it does best always you know matt i think pickleball is set to be the next big thing sure uh sport wise but you know you know quidditch uh, uh when i was going to college there were some quidditch teams it looked as weird as you would expect people do run around with brooms between their legs it's a little odd um but it works <laughs> maybe it's the next big thing <laughs> they're filling up hotel rooms and eating at restaurants I'm, that makes me as happy they can do whatever that that sounds like fun to me Matt Neely, the pragmatist. Yes, Correct. It, is, it is true. It is true, sir. If they, if they are buying hotel rooms and they are eating in our restaurants. And they're having fun. So, and they'll remember Tucson fondly. So I think that's wonderful. Come to Tucson and play your games. That's wonderful. I agree. I agree. Absolutely. Um, by the way, before we get going into more serious topics, Matt and I are almost finished with our quest to figure out what we name Monday. <laughs> On uh, on this show, we've got Wednesday Eve, Wednesday Junior, which is Tuesday. We've got Hump Day, which is Wednesday. We got Friday Eve, which is Thursday, and then of course, kind of Friday is okay being Friday, although we're working on a name for that. Monday keeps stumping us. I don't know, Matt. Is it Magnificent Monday? Is it uh, uh, Motivation for Friday? You had some good ideas. Um, if you want to be goofy with us, you can give us a call five two zero seven nine zero twenty forty. What do we call Monday? Because we have just about every other day named on this show, and we're that close. We're so that close. close. And, and, and this is keeping Matt up at night, so help Matt sleep. <laughs> figure this out. <laughs> oh, my goodness. No, so uh, today is uh, our Monday morning news hour. A couple of things that I wanted to talk about uh, with your calls as they come in. Some Some big things happening nationally. I will do my best to tie it back to the local level, but a lot of pieces in play. And so we we might take a break on this show and go a little bit national. Uh, The Ketanji Brown-Jackson nomination uh, for the Supreme Court is historic. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about 
an interesting undercurrent of that nomination that happened last week. The Washington Post picked it up. I thought it was an interesting element that I don't know if I would have caught uh, on my own, but I, after I read it and then I watched the acceptance speech by Judge Jackson, I saw it and it made me think it has a Tucson connection. So we'll do that. Uh, State of the Union is tomorrow, Matt. Uh, and we will uh, do some predictions and look at some recent polling as we head into that and what it means. And then, of course, we'll talk about the uh, the uh, aggressive action in Ukraine. And uh, as we speak, potentially, or right around this time, Matt, uh, in Belarus, uh, Ukrainian diplomats and Russian diplomats are meeting. And it's the first talk since this began. But those two sides are so far apart right now about what they want and what they'll accept but there are diplomatic conversations going on and uh, as the world we can only hope this starts to de-escalate sooner than later um, but I don't know if I'm hopeful so we'll see we'll, we'll, we'll get to that uh, we'll get to that as well uh, so, so Matt uh, I had some I, I want to do this this is my this is the the way I'm going to finish my my wind up my warm up you got to stretch before you start lifting weights and so this is my final uh, my final warm up stretch here before uh, we got going. This got some people laughing. I put this up on social out on Twitter. Uh, I, I haven't gotten to watch the LA Lakers in a really long time play basketball, and they were playing yesterday. And I posted this: the Lakers roster is starting to look like a local pickup team of dads who used to play high school ball. Um, Matt, I don't know if you're an NBA guy, but our NBA watchers and fans out there will will watch this. This was either most or entirely the roster, Matt, that was on the court playing yesterday. <clears throat> Carmelo Anthony, who was drafted in 2003. LeBron James, who was drafted in 2003. Trevor Ariza, who was drafted in 2004. Dwight Howard, 2004 and Russell Westbrook 2008 and they were awful. <laughs> was, <laughs> they're, they're, thank goodness they're only 27 and 33 and 11th in the West because they, they should be worse. It was uh, it was some hard basketball to watch but I also felt like I was in middle school again uh, Matt. It was, it was like I played video games with these guys decades ago and they're still on the court playing and I was like wait Carmelo Anthony is still playing? Yep he's a Laker. So um they still had a better day than the Wildcats did this weekend. But, Matt, this is not a sports show, so we're not going to talk sports. Correct. <laughs> All right, you're not an NBA guy, right? We, we've gone over this. What's that? You're not an NBA guy, right? We, we've, we've talked about not, this. Not too much. I was more of a Suns guy in the 70s and, and 80s, so I don't, I don't follow it as closely. Obviously, last year I followed it a lot more because the Suns uh, had, a, had, a, uh, had a great season and made it to the finals but uh, or the playoffs, but... Um, Anyway, um, and and for the third time in their history, you know, had a shot at uh, <laughs> winning the whole thing, and ah, uh, just like through my childhood, so close. They're gonna be back. But yeah, more more follow the Wildcats more than the Suns. Got it. Got it. Well, uh, it, it only goes it only goes up from here in in a, in a positive way. All right, Matt, I feel stretched. I feel warmed up. I'm rested from the weekend. I'm ready to go. Let's go to our first break of the hour. Uh, we're going to talk about the nomination by President Joe Biden of 
of, uh, of Judge Katanji Brown Jackson and a little piece of that process that stood out to me that I want to speak to on the other side of this break. It's your Monday morning news hour here on Tipping Point with Zach Genser on 1030 The Voice KVOI. Uh, we're getting you into the week talking about what happened since we left studio. And you're our guest today, 520-790-2040. What's on your mind? Let's talk when we return here on 1030 The Voice. Don't go anywhere. The next generation of talk. Tipping Point with Zach Genser. 1030 The Voice. Hey you, if you're like a lot of people in Tucson, you'd love to look at a new home while interest rates are still low, but you hear prices have gone up, competition is fierce, and you'd just rather avoid the hassle. I'm Kathleen Jernigan with CNC Partners, and I want to tell you that you can make the move now. Our team is one of the most successful in greater Tucson, helping buyers get results in this hot market. Call 520-406-0233 and let us know you heard us on Tipping Point to schedule a no-strings-attached conversation to see if we can be on your team. In 1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the nearly 60 startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges currently under construction, they are integral in shaping the future of Southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business. Hey guys, and yeah, I mean guys, if you're a man over the age of 30 and you want to accelerate fat loss, gain lean athletic muscle, and build habits to maintain results, then the Sustainable Strength System is for you. I'm hanging on to 30 pounds myself that I don't need, and in this new year, I signed up with Akil for this 90-day program that coaches you through reaching your fitness goals with a focus on intelligent programming, nutrition, injury prevention, and lifestyle. If you're ready for a three-month journey to help better your health and strength, go to SustainableStrengthSystem.com. In 2021, FC Tucson was just getting started. We're building something special that all of Tucson can be proud of. Don't miss FC Tucson in action in 2022. Secure your season tickets now at fctucson.com or call 520-600-3095 and download the FC Tucson app in the App Store or Google Play to get updates on MLS preseason as FC Tucson welcomes the biggest teams in U.S. soccer in January and February. Tucson, your Tucson Museum of Art is pleased to present the Patrick Martinez Look What You Created exhibition and his first solo museum exhibition in the American Southwest. Los Angeles-based artist Patrick Martinez explores sites of personal, civic, and cultural law sustained over recent years in America. Opening just this month through April 24th, you can go see it in the Castor Family Wing of Latin American Art. TucsonMuseumOfArt.org to get your tickets now. Impact of Southern Arizona serves 52 zip codes in Pima and Pinal counties and reinvests $2.5 million a year into the community. Join us for our Impact Expo on Tuesday, March 2nd, at the Tucson Chinese Cultural Center, where we'll be bringing a national speaker along with local partners and the community together to talk about how we can help people move from just getting by in a getting-ahead world to improving their life in our region. Go to impactsoaz.org for more information and to support Impact of Southern Arizona in improving lives and inspiring futures. 
Why I love where I live. It's a brand and movement that began here in Tucson to spark gratitude and celebrate the good things about where we live. Located in the open air Mercado San Agustin Annex, just west of downtown, it's a great place to shop or spend time with friends as you enjoy food, drink, and other shopping options close by. Find gifts, toys, books, and clothes that will help you celebrate where you live. Visit them at the Annex off the I-10 at Cushing and Avenida del Convento. Hi, this is Tom Sullivan. Join me weeknights from 7 to 10 for the Tom Sullivan Show on 1030 KVOI, The Voice. And we're back, Tucson and all of Southern Arizona, live out of the Common Workspace studio. Tipping Point with Zach Yenser on AM 1030 KVOI, The Voice. It's your Monday morning news hour here on the program. Uh, Federal Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson uh, was nominated by President Joe Biden uh, to fill Justice Breyer's seat. He will be retiring uh, and leaving a seat open on the Supreme Court. Um, so Ketanji Brown Jackson is a federal judge on the United States Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit. That happened last year, actually. So uh, this will be two years in a row uh, that Ketanji Brown Jackson has gone through a similar kind of process. Um, uh, obviously, this is historic uh, because Ketanji Brown Jackson is the first black woman to be nominated. Um, and she's expected to be confirmed. Uh, because of the makeup of the Senate, uh, there might actually be a few Republicans um, who will back her nomination because they did for uh, her nomination to the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit. Uh, there were a few uh, mainstay Republicans, in fact, who voted um, for her then, and it's expected that she'll be confirmed. But um, it's really expected because there's not a need for Republicans to to vote in, in approval. The uh, 50 Democrats, all aligned, plus Vice President Kamala Harris, will do the will do the job. Um, she's replacing Justice Breyer, longtime Justice Breyer, and uh, this is not necessarily a change uh, to the makeup of the court, but it certainly is a historic uh, historic nomination. We'll be covering it. Um, as is relevant. And really this, just to kind of, again, flesh out a little bit of context, we'll move on because there was something really interesting here that is the reason why I'm bringing it up. But really this is the resolution to a a two-year promise. This was uh, something that major African-American backers of President Joe Biden uh, in the uh, in the in the Congress said, look, we will back you and support you and endorse you and help push you over the edge, which they ultimately did. Uh, if you promise now and uphold your promise to nominate a an African American woman to the Supreme Court, uh, he said yes. They said yes. He's now saying yes uh, and following through on that. So that's a little bit um, of how we of how we got here. Uh, but there was an interesting remark. In her, uh, I don't say acceptance speech. When she was nominated, she got to share a few words, and it signals something interesting. And I, I watched her six to seven minute speech, and it was um, really well done with a lot of things that that resonate with me in terms uh, of of history and present and and this country as having come so so far and yet still having a ways to go. Um, but there was some at the Washington Post caught that was really interesting to me and I and, and and I read it and then I went back and watched the speech uh, because I don't know if I would have caught it otherwise but 
now that I read this, I can't unsee it. Um, and what's interesting is that Judge Katanji, uh, 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 Katanji Brown Jackson um, is uh, someone who um, has worked for criminal justice reform uh, in, in the past. And, um, you know, there's, um, uh, that's kind of been some of her focus. But that wasn't where she started. That wasn't what she talked about when she uh, accepted her uh, nomination. Uh, Jackson, here's as the Washington Post says, Jackson didn't mention her efforts on the U.S. Sentencing Commission to rewrite guidelines to reduce recommended penalties for drug-related offenses or her representation of some uh, odious, this is the WAPO phrase, odious clients as a federal public defender. Instead, the judge emphasized that her brother and two uncles were police officers. One even became Miami's police chief. Brown didn't dwell on the story um, that she has an uncle who got caught up in the drug trade and received a life sentence, um, which is true. Um, she said, law enforcement also runs in my family. This is what I want you to know about me. Uh, her brother, Kataj, was a detective on some of the toughest streets in the inner city of Baltimore before enlisting in the army and serving two tours of duty in the Middle East. Uh, and uh, the Washington Post is, is says that this is a, a, a reflection of a pendulum swing uh, back from the, uh, they call hostility toward law enforcement uh, over the past couple of years. This Washington Post opinion writer says over the past year, Democrats who staked out soft on crime positions have faced intense backlash, even in big blue cities. Jackson's emphasis on her family's experience in law enforcement is part of the necessary and overdue corrective. With rising public fear about crime, from murders to carjackings and shoplifting, and growing frustration with far-left district attorneys who aren't prosecuting criminals aggressively enough, Jackson did not mention her efforts on the U.S. Sensing Commission, so on and so forth. And I thought it was a, I thought it was an interesting take and something that you could see, right? And this writer says, look, uh, Katanji Brown Jackson went through this almost exact same process, obviously a lesser level, last year. She, she knows what's on the minds of Republicans. She knows what's on the mind of the American people. She's been through this before, and she is getting ahead of what she assumes to be uh, the first shots at her record, certainly from the Republican Party, but sentiments that are being now held uh, in big blue cities. And I thought that was really interesting. And I think it's interesting in what, uh, in what it signals. And, and I thought about the Tucson connection here as we close out February. Uh, we are on track um, in Tucson to match, if not exceed, the homicide rate, rate of last year. That was the deadliest year in a homicide way uh, in the city of Tucson ever, the highest since 2008. But so far this year, uh, we, have a, uh, we have more robberies than we did last year. We have almost as many aggravated assaults as we did last year. We have more burglaries this year than we did at this time last year. We have more motor vehicle thefts than we had at this time last year. We have more arson 
than we did at this time last year. The situation is not getting better. And uh, it's interesting to me that we are seeing communities say, when is enough enough? Like, look, we as the American people can chew gum and walk at the same time. We want for there to be appropriate reforms. We want there to be greater accountability, but, but we are tired of seeing neighborhoods that are unsafe. And, and I think this really comes into focus when uh, I look at a polling on critical race theory um, in this country. Uh, if you read the news, if you watch cable television, you might get the wrong impression. Current polling uh, says that CRT is less divisive than you would think. A majority of Americans want to understand history, what it means for today. And I've said on this show that to say CRT is history is disingenuous, right? So, so I'm not oversimplifying. Go back, listen to my shows. Uh, but, but there are people in a majority of Americans um, who have a different view about critical race theory and issues of race in this country than the talking heads on cable TV and certainly the politicians. The American people live in communities um, where they want a three-legged stool. They want fully staffed police departments uh, and policies that keep crime down. They want better accountability when law enforcement goes wrong. Uh, and they do want restorative reforms to do what we need to do so that we don't get to a point of high crime. The American people want all three by the data at the same time. The American people are not getting all three at the same time. People in Tucson are certainly not getting the, the, that at the same time. And this little kind of two-minute part of federal judge Katanji Brown-Jackson's most likely the next Supreme Court justice, uh, the first black woman to be nominated, and the first black woman to be on the Supreme Court of the United States. Um, uh, this two-minute piece, I think, hints at a tipping point moment that we have reached in this country. I think about the fact that for a year and a half in the city of Tucson's budget, we've budgeted for eight social workers. We've budgeted for stuff we haven't gotten. There is talk about reform, we're not getting it in Tucson, and our crime rate at almost every single level is exceeding already what was one of the worst years uh, uh, of crime and order in this community uh, that we've ever had. We aren't getting reform and we aren't getting safety. And if you think this tipping point isn't happening yet in Tucson, it's coming because it's coming all around the country. And people as high up as nominees to the United States Supreme Court uh, are noticing it and talking about it and know it's coming. I'll get uh, some more data on the city of Tucson, but I think we're going to either meet or exceed our homicide rate through this point of this year that we were in 2021. And that's the number we have to be watching because that number can't go up. That number must go down. Americans can talk and walk and chew gum at the same time. They have an incredibly diverse philosophical idea what they want this country to be. And it's underserved by our politicians and our talking heads on cable news. We'll be right back. Much more to come. Stay of the Union predictions. And we'll talk about what's going on in Ukraine here on the other side. Tipping Point returns on 1030 The Voice.
Hey you, if you're like a lot of people in Tucson, you'd love to look at a new home while interest rates are still low, but you hear prices have gone up, competition is fierce, and you'd just rather avoid the hassle. I'm Kathleen Jernigan with CNC Partners, and I want to tell you that you can make the move now. Our team is one of the most successful in greater Tucson, helping buyers get results in this hot market. Call 520-406-0233 and let us know you heard us on Tipping Point to schedule a no-strings-attached conversation to see if we can be on your team. In 1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the nearly 60 startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges currently under construction, they are integral in shaping the future of Southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business. In 2021, FC Tucson was just getting started. We're building something special that all of Tucson can be proud of. Don't miss FC Tucson in action in 2022. Secure your season tickets now at fctucson.com or call 520-600-3095 and download the FC Tucson app in the App Store or Google Play to get updates on MLS preseason as FC Tucson welcomes the biggest teams in U.S. soccer in January and February. Helping you make better money decisions is what the Ramsey Show is all about. Today at 1 p.m. on 1030 The Voice. And we're back, Tucson, and all of Southern Arizona. Good morning to you. Welcome live out of the Common Workspace Studios this Monday morning, the last day of February. Tomorrow begins March, if you can believe it. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser on AM 1030 KVOI, the voice, daily in-depth news, conversation, and talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. It's our Monday morning news hour. We're talking about the news of the weekend, shaping the week ahead. Uh, we've talked about the nomination of Katanji Brown-Jackson uh, by President Joe Biden uh, to be considered by the Senate for uh, uh, appointment to uh, or nominee or um, uh, replacing replacing Justice Breyer on the Arizona on the United States Supreme Court. Words are hard on a Monday. They're hard for you. They're hard for me. Uh, and we talked a little bit about an interesting uh, kind of subtext to her acceptance speech, her nomination speech, and what it says about uh, where this country is on uh, reform and law and order and law enforcement and why she went in a certain direction with her uh, nomination acceptance speech and what it says. And we talked about the fact um, that in Tucson so far this year, we're seeing homicides on par with the record high number from last year, as well as more robberies to this point than last year, more burglaries, more motor vehicle theft, and more arson than in 2021. Uh, sexual assault and aggravated assault are down, which are both good numbers that celebrate that. But on almost every single level, 2021 is not starting out better than a record deadly year in the city of Tucson that was 2021. We're also not seeing uh, reforms uh, happen uh, that we were told were going to happen. And so uh, whether you are looking for criminal justice reform uh, and within the city of Tucson, law enforcement reform specifically, uh, or whether you uh, want uh, more law enforcement in this community and want a lower crime rate, I don't really care who you are and where you're at on that spectrum. You have every reason to be unhappy. 
because promises made have not been promises kept um, and, and and the problem is not solving itself. It's just not. That's just the data, my friends. It's not an opinion. Uh, data is a powerful thing. It tells the story it's going to tell uh, and I'm putting the numbers uh, in front of you. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about here the State of the Union, which is tomorrow, March 1st. If I have my days set and my head on straight, uh, give you some of my thoughts on that, uh, what some of the polling numbers indicates and, and what I think the president uh, is going to say. And I think a moment in time um, that actually uh, could be a, a boost uh, ahead of the midterm. So we'll, we'll talk about that as well. Uh, on the show later this week, by the way, we're going to talk uh, about Tucson in space. We have two different guests, two different topics, but that's our conversation tomorrow. Uh, we're going to talk with the folks over at Tech Parks Arizona on Wednesday. Thursday will be one of Tucson's and the University of Arizona's and the region's really foremost expert on water issues, Sharon Megdahl. Uh, the full hour on Thursday, uh, we begged and pleaded and asked, please come on for an hour. Let's deep dive on this issue. And then we'll talk some entrepreneurship and innovation on Friday and a bunch of stuff, uh, a bunch of stuff in between. So uh, what's interesting to me as we approach the State of the Union, and this is true every year, is that these are the moments, especially midterm State of the Union, State of the Union's ahead of midterms, um, are these moments where we remember that at the end of the day, I believe, it's the dinner table economists who matter. And who are those dinner table economists? Parents, and families, and working adults, voting working adults uh, in this great country of ours. We can go on cable news, we can do radio, we can uh, we can write, we can spin, we can talk. At the end of the day, the answer to whether things are going well or not comes down to the people who ultimately have the power uh, to say what they want and to make a change if they're not getting it. I heard dinner table economists the other day from somebody else. I didn't make that up. Asterisk there, but I love it. Dinner table economists known as American Parents. A new Washington Post ABC poll ahead of the State of the Union tomorrow finds that Biden's presidential approval rating is at a new low, uh, reports the Washington Post, 37% saying they approve of the job he's doing, 55% saying that they approve. Um, Republicans, of course, disapprove by 86% of the president's job performance, but here is the number that everybody cares about, whether you're running for a state legislative district or you're running for president of the United States or you want to keep the job, is independence. Independence. 61% of independents rate the president negatively. That's an important number. Again, if you're listening, you're a Democrat and you like Joe Biden, like this is not uh, an, this is not an attack piece. This is the data. I'm going to tell you what I think is going to happen tomorrow. But independence, 61% rate the president negatively. 50% of adults in uh, respondents say they would rather have Republicans in charge on Capitol Hill. 40% prefer the Democrats. How they would vote in House races if the election were held today. 49% of registered voters said they would support the Republican candidate. 42% said they would vote for the Democratic candidate. Biden's approval rating of, on his handling on the economy is at 37% compared with 58% who disapprove. On his handling of the coronavirus pandemic, 44% approve, while 50% disapprove. 
By a wide margin, Americans say the economy has gotten worse since Biden took office, with 54% saying so, compared with 17% who say the economy has gotten better, and 27% who say it's remained about the same since he was sworn in 13 months ago. Almost 6 in 10 Americans say inflation has caused hardships for themselves or members of their household, with 3 in 10 saying those hardships have been serious. Among those with incomes below $50,000, the percent who say they have suffered serious hardship is even higher at 43%. Almost down here. Two more data points. On the question of whether he's a strong leader, so this is an interesting one, 59% of Americans say no. 36% 36% say yes. Here's, here's the number. I'm on independence. 65% say he is not strong. Now, this one is interesting to me, right? Because we hear this a lot from the Republican side. He's not a strong leader. Not a strong leader. Not a strong leader. I might mention this in the final segment. People keep saying that Biden is weak on the international stage. He's weak on Russia. But if you ask a Republican, like, at least the talking heads, if you're a Republican listening, maybe you have the answer that other people should more clearly be stating. Give me a call, 520-790-2040. But the Republican machinery, you know, in Washington, D.C., will keep throwing this up, but no one can really tell you why they think that he's weak. He's just weak on everything. So that's a Republican line. 65% of independents are saying he's not a strong leader across the board, regardless of the issue. 65%. Guys, I call the balls and strikes as I see them. Uh, I'm an independent myself. And this number is fascinating to me. And this again, this is the number, right? Because everybody's going to go and rile up their Democratic base and their Republican base. And, you know, stage one of the game is try to get your base to come out bigger than the other base. But everyone ultimately is looking for those independents, certainly in the general. 65% have doubts about Joe Biden's strength as a leader. One more data point, then we'll get to tomorrow. On an even more personal question, reports the Washington Post in their debrief of their ABC WAPO poll. 54% of Americans say they do not think Biden has the mental sharpness it takes to serve as president. 40% say he does. The last time this was asked in a post-ABC poll was May of 2020. At that time, it was reversed. 51% said Joe Biden possessed the mental sharpness needed to be president compared with 43% who said he did not. So that has flipped. In less than a year, in the same polling, it has flipped, where an overwhelming majority of people do not think that Joe Biden is a strong leader or has the mental sharpness it takes to serve as president. Those are fascinating statistics to me. Again, just calling the balls and strikes as I thought, what I want to talk about as we look at the State of the Union tomorrow, because this is what is on the minds of the American people. And I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and according to some metrics, there are some metrics, we don't talk about them because they're not politically feasible and nobody has the time to actually get into the details, but there are a number of economic metrics that are strong right now. But the dinner table economists don't think so. And and I gotta tell you, if I had to line up economists in Washington with dinner table economists at home, if I'm in the politics business, I care way more what the dinner table economists at home think. I care way more what the American parent and American family thinks. And no matter what is said, no matter the spin, 
no matter the data points that say things are going okay, the dinner table economists don't think they are. And this inflation thing uh, is taking the wind out of the sails of whatever else is going well. I'll also mention this, and this could be a wake-up call for my Republican friends listening. There is not an overwhelming majority of Americans that blame Biden for this, by the way. Um, they, they, they are blaming other factors, some of which are correct. Uh, but the majority of the American people um, are not necessarily laying this at the feet of Joe Biden. So I think that's interesting. That's, that's, that's important to point out. But, but a majority say it's gotten worse since Joe Biden took office as president. So where am I going with this? Here's where I'm going. Uh, I, I think that the State of the Union speech that Joe Biden was set to give 10 days ago is different from the one that he's going to give tomorrow. And like, no duh, Ukraine, Russia. Yes, I, I, I'm there, right? That's a duh statement. But I'm saying um, is uh, I am starting to wonder if Ukraine is going to be the game changer. Uh, because imagine, right? We've seen the CDC change course. The CDC didn't wake up today and change course on COVID masking and, and, and how communities manage mitigating COVID based on hospitalizations, not infections, but deaths, not infections. Uh, that has been in the works for a long time. And I don't know the inner workings of the CDC. I am sure, because it has been for the last year, I am sure some of it was political. You know, I, I think that, that, that the powers that be recognize that the winds are changing, the winds are shifting, and the American people are done. So, so I'm sure that there's some politics driven in here, although this CDC shift has been weeks weeks in the making. Then we're going to hear about that tomorrow. Um, we might hear President Joe Biden uh, say, look, I understand your pain on inflation. Here's what we're doing to solve it. Here's the other things going well, right? My good friend Ruben Navarrete uh, disagrees with some other strategists who say that he should be humble about it. He should, he should brag and show strength as a leader. I think that'll come up. COVID will come up. Economy will come up. Um, but, but this Ukraine moment, I think, is an opportunity, and we'll see if it shakes out tomorrow, for the President of the United States to say, I have been a strong believer, and for four or five decades, I've been in the trenches working on a global system in which we prevent war and the worst effects of war globally through international connection to each other. And over the last five, six days, we have seen the world come together in a way that nobody imagined. And I think any world leader, by the way, uh, who takes more credit for that than Putin is probably lying to themselves, right? I mean, Vladimir Putin has brought the world together in a way that only uh, someone disconnected from reality and despotic like Vladimir Putin could. But the world has come together in a way that nobody imagined to stand up for freedom and democracy around the world. And I am starting to wonder, you can call me naive, I'm starting to wonder, is this going to be potentially a golf war, 90% approval rating moment for Joe Biden that President Bush had, the older? Now, I don't think 90% is going to happen. But, but does this provide a moment in time where the president shows outwardly a strength on this issue 
that convinces independents that maybe he's stronger than they think and more mentally aware than they think and that there are bigger issues than just domestic issues and the domestic issues are challenging but seeing some improvement but look at what is happening on the world stage and i think if president joe biden presents that image do the independents start to think a little bit differently is this a turning point ahead of the midterm no i don't know um but I, but but this is going to take up a lot of the state of the union and i think what americans watch and what americans see and how he storytells the last 10 days of his presidency is going to go a long way not to mention what does this mean for his legacy in afghanistan don't forget President Trump wanted out of Afghanistan to focus on China, just as President Biden wanted out of Afghanistan to focus on China. So, so, so things are shifting, and I don't know what the polls are going to say after the State of the Union tomorrow. I'm an independent. I'm looking at the balls and strikes as they're there. Right? Republicans don't want to give the president credit. Democrats don't want to acknowledge things are wrong, fast enough, large enough. I think both sides are wrong. How the president portrays the last 10 days is going to be critical to what I think the midterms look like. And we'll see what he does tomorrow. I think it's the independents. We're going to see how they shift and think. Uh, I think that's going to matter big time for the midterms. Let's go to our break. When we come back, a few final thoughts on what's going on in Ukraine uh, and around the world. My thoughts. There's one more segment. If you're sitting on your phone, you want to call in 520-790-2040. Agree or disagree, your calls uh, make this radio thing worthwhile for everybody. So give us a call. Let Matt know you want to hop on the air. We'll be right back after a final short break to wrap up Tipping Point on 1030 The Voice. Miss a show? Check out the podcast at kvoi.com. Why I love where I live. It's a brand and movement that began here in Tucson to spark gratitude and celebrate the good things about where we live. Located in the open air Mercado San Agustin Annex, just west of downtown, it's a great place to shop or spend time with friends as you enjoy food, drink, and other shopping options close by. Find gifts, toys, books, and clothes that will help you celebrate where you live. Visit them at the Annex off the I-10 at Cushing and Avenida del Convento. Tucson, your Tucson Museum of Art is pleased to present the Patrick Martinez Look What You Created exhibition and his first solo museum exhibition in the American Southwest. Los Angeles-based artist Patrick Martinez explores sites of personal, civic, and cultural law sustained over recent years in America. Opening just this month through April 24th, you can go see it in the Castor Family Wing of Latin American Art. TucsonMuseumOfArt.org to get your tickets now. Hey guys, and yeah, I mean guys, if you're a man over the age of 30 and you want to accelerate fat loss, gain lean athletic muscle, and build habits to maintain results, then the Sustainable Strength System is for you. I'm hanging on to 30 pounds myself that I don't need. And in this new year, I signed up with Akil for this 90-day program that coaches you through reaching your fitness goals with a focus on intelligent programming, nutrition, injury prevention, and lifestyle. If you're ready for a three-month journey to help better your health and strength, go to SustainableStrengthSystem.com. Located just two doors down from the Rialto Theater, Little Love Burger opened just last fall and is serving up the juiciest scratch-made hamburgers, loaded hot dogs, have ice cream milkshakes, lovable local brews, and the most addictive breakfast sandwiches. They're open Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Friday and Saturday from 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. 
follow their beat on Instagram and Facebook at Little Love Burger Tucson and mention you heard about them on Tipping Point for 15% off your next order. The economy is moving forward, and Arizona businesses are looking at new opportunities and challenges as we emerge from COVID-19. Leading companies are planning how to respond to new business and rebuild their teams and are looking for critical talent now. The right talent in key positions will make all the difference, and having a trusted and dedicated talent acquisition partner will give you an edge. Devin and her team at Talent Store will connect you with top talent while positively impacting time to hire, retention, and your employer brand. Learn more by visiting yourtalentstore.com and schedule time with Devin and her team. Hey you, if you're like a lot of people in Tucson, you'd love to look at a new home while interest rates are still low, but you hear prices have gone up, competition is fierce, and you'd just rather avoid the hassle. I'm Kathleen Jernigan with CNC Partners, and I want to tell you that you can make the move now. Our team is one of the most successful in greater Tucson, helping buyers get results in this hot market. Call 520-406-0233 and let us know you heard us on Tipping Point to schedule a no-strings-attached conversation to see if we can be on your team. In 1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the nearly 60 startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges currently under construction, they are integral in shaping the future of Southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business. This is Bill Buckmaster, the political face-off during the noon hour on 1030, Tucson's voice for trusted news talk. back Tucson and all of Southern Arizona. Good morning to you. You're listening live out of the Common Workspace Studios at Tipping Point with Zach Yenser. And it's our Monday morning news hour. We talk about the news of the weekend coming out of the weekend into the week ahead. Uh, we, we talked about, to start us off, if you're just joining us, the uh, nomination of uh, Katanji Brown-Jackson to the United States Supreme Court, a federal judge on the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia. Uh, and her approach to the nomination process spoke to, I think, some national sentiments that I wanted to localize. I'll leave you hanging there if you missed it. Check it out on the podcast. We gave our State of the Union predictions focusing on uh, what the American people think about the performance of President Joe Biden uh, and especially the sentiments of independents who I think are going to be critical towards the midterms and beyond. And I gave you my thoughts about uh, what would be discussed at the State of the Union. Um, this segment is sponsored by Little Love Burger. They're, they opened downtown last fall, and they're serving up the juiciest burgers, loaded hot dogs, have ice cream, milkshakes, local brews, and breakfast sandwiches. You can follow them on social media at Little Love Burger and mention that you heard about them here on Tipping Point with me, Zach Yenser, for a 1515 percent discount off your next meal and i can vouch for it those aren't words delicious food great people great business owners and the discount works i tried it myself i can i can vouch for it so give it a try a few doors down from the rialto theater uh, a few final thoughts from me uh, i'm processing and thinking through what is happening in eastern europe right now and i spent a lot of time going back and forth between news apps and just watching of course right now there's negotiations in Belarus uh, between Ukrainian diplomats and Russian diplomats. Um, but uh, what is fascinating to me is that the uh, international alliances 
that the global uh, connectivity that is NATO and the European Union is stepping up in a way that I don't think anybody really imagined. I think if anybody tells you that what they're seeing now uh, was going to happen, they, they're probably lying to you. And I think an example is um, Germany, which infamously sent a bunch of helmets to Ukraine not that long ago, uh, is now ramping up defense spending, uh, I believe a percentage of in their NATO spending, and they're funding uh, and sending things to Ukraine that is incredibly bold for a European nation and really resets kind of the field, if you will, around the last 40, 50, 60 years of European security policy in the area. Uh, and we are seeing a truly international response to what is happening in Ukraine. And, and I will say this, I think that there has been a reinvestment, an appropriate reinvestment in the United States role around the world. I think for me, and I mentioned this last week, what is going on in Ukraine right now is a reminder that uh, whether one likes it or not, the United States still has a broad, important, active role internationally. Um, uh, President Reagan said this, prepared for peace. And the United States has not been prepared for peace for a long time whether it was forays into Iraq or Afghanistan, whether it was reducing budgets and spending uh, around our military, whether it was changes in foreign policy uh, around the world over the last 20, 25, 30 years, uh, the United States, I think, now realizes that we have to be prepared for peace. And that means strength in our diplomacy and strength in our military. And not just against non-state actors, right, which is the world I've grown up in, and many of my generation have grown up in. Uh, we did not live in a time when this was state on state. This is a return and also a tipping point moment. But the global community coming together is how it was supposed to work. Most people, including Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice, as she mentioned on Fox News yesterday, didn't think it was prepared to work. And it's working. Um, and that is a credit uh, to an aligned, focused, intentional strategy and I think the sanctions are working as well. We talk about turning the heat up on the oligarchs in Russia. The heat is now turned up, unfortunately, on the Russian people. And they're not happy about it. My last thoughts are, is uh, I think uh, Putin, Vladimir Putin, misjudged the Ukraine of today. Misjudged that there was a desire for freedom and democracy. Misjudged the tenor of the people. Misjudged the fact that he could lie to his people this long. Misjudged that he could take main parts of the country in a matter of days. He is now in a position where he is in place for an extended conflict. And we certainly hope that there's de-escalation on the nuclear side. Um, but this is going to reorient the world. Does this bring China and Russia together more closely in North Korea? Uh, do international sanctions and activity uh, bring a swift end to this, which I think is what we all wanna see? I don't know. My thoughts are still random. I'm not an expert, but I'm watching this and certainly celebrating today that international collaboration is working the way it was designed to work. That is a good thing. And we cannot be islands. We cannot be no longer siloed or set apart from the world. We're in this thing together. And it's a beauty to see it work like it's supposed to work. When we come back tomorrow, we're going to focus completely locally. We're going to talk with two different guests, two different topics all about 
Tucson in space. I'm looking forward to that. You can catch us on the podcast if you missed anything. Tipping point with Zach Yenser. He who hits up next, Bill Buckmaster at noon in Tucson. We'll see you Tuesday. Stay safe out there.